0: Hello and welcome to Resuscitate, a podcast about resuscitation and emergency medicine. This is your host, Manish Taneja. So our first episode will be about the complications of hyperglycemia and the emergencies related to it. We'll be discussing mostly about diabetes, ketoacidosis in this podcast and we'll review some of the points about hyperglycemic hyperosmolar state. So diabetes, ketoacidosis or DKA is one of the most common complications of diabetes which we come across in emergency departments. The pathophysiology behind DK is of absence and lack of insulin leading to hyperglycemia which in turn leads to osmotic diuresis and loss of electrolytes which causes the patient to be volume depleted and of increased lipolysis and triglyceride breakdown which in turn cause increased ketogenesis leading to ketoneuria, decreased alkali reserves and acidosis. DKA most commonly follows an aggravating event. Infections are one of the most common aggravating event leading to DKA, of which UTIs and pneumonias are two of the most common infections. Discontinuation of therapy is another common factor. Cute events like pancreatitis, MI, CVAs are also important. Polypharmacy and drugs which hamper with the metabolism of glucose like steroids, diuretics, second generation antipsychotics are also responsible. And with the addition of insulin infusion pumps in our arsenal, malfunctions of continuous subcutaneous insulin infusion pumps is also a common factor leading up to DK. I very recently came across a case where a 14-year-old girl came to the department with DKA because her continuous insulin infusion pump stopped functioning. DK is commonly seen in patients with type 1 diabetes mellitus but it is also seen in patients with type 2 diabetes mellitus. They just need a bigger precipitating factor like sepsis. These patients present to us with a recent history of polyuria, polydipsia, polyphagia, visual blurring, weakness, weight loss, nausea, vomiting and abdominal pain. Abdominal pain is one of the most common presenting factor in patients with BKA. There was a study which showed that abdominal pain was present in 46% of patients of decay compared to none of hyperglycemic, hyperosmotic state. The reason behind the abdominal pain is believed to be delayed gastric emptying and ileus caused by electrolyte disimbalance. But never forget, it can be a symptom of another disease which is precipitating decay like pancreatitis. So always evaluate. Neurological symptoms are most common in hyperglycemic-hyperosmotic state and they occur above the plasma osmolarity of 320-330 milliosmol per kg and they range from mental obtundation that is confusion to coma. Seizures can also be a presenting symptom in HHS. On physical examination, you will have a dehydrated patient. Who's rapidly breathing, a small breathing, and who has an acetone breath like of a nail polish remover. So when I come across a patient like that, I usually order three tests. First is a needle stick glucose, which shows hyperglycemia. The second is an ABG, an arterial blood gas, which shows a high anion gap metabolic acidosis. And the third one is for urine ketones, which is usually positive. The urine ketones dipstick test is based upon the nitroprusside reaction, which only reacts with acetoacetic acid, which is the only true ketone. The other two ketone bodies, that is beta hydroxybutyric acid and acetone, are not detected by urine nitroprusside testing. So it is better to get a direct measurement of serum beta-hydroxybutyrate levels, which is positive above 3 millimole per liter. The urine nitroproside ketone testing can also be falsely positive if there are drugs which contain sulfhydryl group in the urine, like captopril, penicillamine, or mesna. Patients with DKA also have leukocytosis which is only an indicator of the severity of ketoacidosis and not of infection. There was a small study which showed only an increase in the band neutrophils can indicate infection with the sensitivity of 100% and specificity of 80%. The management of DKA can be as simple as DKA. D for dehydration which is to give fluid, K for correction of potassium and A for managing acidosis by giving insulin. The patients of DKA are volume depleted with a total body deficit of 5 to 6 liters. The patients of HHS are even more volume depleted with a total body deficit of 8 to 10 liters. So, fluids are the mainstay of treatment. Isotonic saline is the fluid of choice for resuscitation of these patients. Saline can be started at the rate of 1 litre per hour if the patient is not in shock. If the patient is in hypovolemic shock, IV boluses can be given. If the patient is in cardiogenic shock, inotropes can be started. Reassessment of volume status should be done periodically and serum sodium should be checked. Patients with hyperglycemia show a falsely low sodium values. So, a corrected sodium value should be calculated by adding 1.6 milliequivalent per litre to the obtained serum sodium level for every 100 mg of glucose above the normal levels. The fluid should be changed to half normal saline that is, 0.45% saline once the sodium values are within the normal range or if the sodium values are high. Addition of 5% dextrose should be done to the half strength saline once the serum glucose reaches below 200. A periodic check of serum electrolytes, blood urea nitrogen, venous pH, creatinine and glucose should be done every 2-4 to four hours until the patient is stable. The patients of DKA are also in a state of diselectrolytemia. The total potassium deficit is considered to be between 3-5 to five milliequivalent per kg. After assessment of adequate renal functions by serum creatinine and a urine output of approximately 50 milliliter per hour, Serum potassium should be corrected. If the serum potassium is below 3.3 milliequivalent per liter, insulin should be held and a 20 to 40 milliequivalent of potassium should be added to every liter of fluid until the potassium normalizes. If the serum potassium is between 3.3 milliequivalent to 5.3 milliequivalent per liter, insulin can be started and 20 to 30 milliequivalent of potassium should be added to each liter of fluid. If the serum potassium is above 5.3 mQ per litre, do not give any additional potassium and recheck the serum potassium every 2 hours. Before starting insulin, always remember that insulin isn't harmless. Do not give insulin in hypokalemia and insulin boluses are not preferred anymore. A continuous IV infusion of regular insulin is preferred in diabetes ketoacidosis at the rate of 0.1 unit to 0.14 unit per kg per hour. Reassess serum glucose periodically and if the fall is not between 50 to 70 mg per deciliter in the first hour, double the insulin infusion rate. And if the fall is above 70 mg per deciliter in the first hour, you can reduce the insulin infusion rate. The ideal reduction in the blood glucose should be between 50 to 70 mg per deciliter. Once the serum glucose reaches at the level of 200 mg per deciliter, reduce the insulin infusion rate to 0.02 to 0.05 unit per kg per hour and add 5% dextrose to keep serum glucose between 150 to 200 mg per deciliter. There is no role of bicarbonate in the management of decay except in periarrest situations like in the situations where the pH is below 6.9 then, a 100 millimole of bicarb can be added to 400 milliliter of distilled water with a 20 milliequivalent of potassium chloride and infused over 2 hours. A repeat administration of the infusion can be given if the pH is still below 7. Now, coming to the management of DKA in pediatric patients. It follows 2015 NICE guidelines and most of it is the same. No bolus of IV fluid is advised except when the patient is in shock then a 10 milliliter per kg of bolus can be given pediatric patients especially the ones who have a more severe acidosis are at an increased risk of cerebral edema So, there should be a calculation of total fluids which is to be given. Total fluids are calculated by calculating a deficit and a maintenance dose. The deficit is calculated based upon the pH. If the pH is less than 7.1, the patient is considered to be in 10% fluid deficit. And if the pH is more than 7.1, however, the patient is considered to be in 5% fluid deficit, which is to be given over a period of 48 hours. Maintenance dose is calculated by weight. Less than 10 kg is 2 ml per kg. Between 10 to 40 kg is 1 ml per kg. And if the patient is above 40 kg, it is a constant at 40 ml per hour. No other formula should be used for the calculation of maintenance dose in BKA pediatric patients. Every 500 ml of normal saline should be added with a 20 equivalent of potassium chloride except for the boluses. Saline with the 20 equivalent potassium should be continued till the blood glucose is at 250 mg per deciliter. Insulin should be started late in the pediatric patient, usually after 1 or 2 hours of beginning the treatment at the dose of 0.05 to 0.1 ml per kg. Serum ketones level should be measured regularly and if the ketones are less than 3 millimole, the fluid should be changed to 5% glucose with 0.9% sodium chloride and 20 of potassium chloride. Insulin should not be stopped and the administration should be lowered to 0.05 unit per kg. If serum ketones are more than 3 millimole, continue normal saline with 20 millicoolent of potassium chloride. Insulin should be continued. If serum glucose is low, then a 10% of glucose solution can be added to the infusion. There are various complications associated with diabetes ketoacidosis and with its treatment. Hypoglycemia being one of the most common if we go overboard with the treatment. Cerebral edema is also one of the major complications. Deep venous and indwelling IV catheter thrombosis is also common because of dehydration and hemoconcentration and the patients who are not fully conscious are also at a risk of aspiration. I hope this has been a helpful episode. See you in the next one. Thank you.